your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about gender identity. Mind my pronouns, pronouns, pronouns. That's a big deal these days. So what we got to really break down what this is. Gender identity is, is an interesting thing because it really refers to how a person understands and experiences their own gender. And it involves a person's psychological sense of being a male or a female or or neither. And so the people who identify as transgender feel that their gender identity doesn't match their biology or their biological sex as a gender that is assigned to them at birth. And in some cases, they don't feel they fit into either the male or the female gender categories. And how people live out their gender identities in everyday life, in terms of how they dress or behave or express themselves, that basically constitutes their gender expression. So male and female are the most common gender identities, at least in the Western culture, and they form a, 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 a way of thinking about gender that often informs the identity options that people feel are available to them. And so anyone, regardless of their biological sex, can closely adhere to culturally constructed notions of either being a male or a female. And, and so uh, by dressing or talking or, or taking interest in various activities – or stereotypically associated traditional male or female gender identities, uh, many people think outside the box when it comes to gender, constructing identities for themselves that move beyond that male-female binary uh, structure. And, and for example, you know, some people explore, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, the oxygen or Vogue or or the cult or uh, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, whose evolving gender identities uh, have uh, often made headlines and, and been successful. You know, whether society approves of the identities or not, uh, the science on whether there are more than two genders is very clear. There are as many possible gender identities as there are people psychologically forming identities. And so it's very important for us to understand that normal may not be what we called normal and that we are evolving as a society and as people into identifying openly rather than in a closet our identities. And this has been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years in our society. People have done that. You know, and, and so seeking approval is not something that a person who has decided they're maybe of the opposite sex or no sex or whatever they've decided to go to in their gender identity, they're not seeking approval of anyone. Sadly, what happens is, uh, and we'll talk about this later, and when children decide to assign a different gender identity to themselves, uh, sometimes they end up, if they uh, have uh, parents that are not very open-minded, that are, that are uh, very structured and very, you, you will be this, you will be that, very authoritarian and not supportive, that can cause a lot of issues for a child. And uh, we'll talk about that later. But gender identity is something in society today that is very, very fluid. And it's very much a topic that children especially are identifying with with each other. And, and, and if we look, you know, in the, 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 the sex is basically rooted in our biology and a, a person's sex is determined using, you know, a biological criteria like chromosomes and gonads and internal reproductive organs and external genitalia. You know, most people are classified as either biologically male or biologically female. And so the term intersex is reserved for those with atypical combinations of those features. So some people are born with both a penis and a vagina. And, uh, and then 
and sadly, uh, what happens is a lot of people will make a decision, parents will make a decision as to what gender identity a person will be based on when they're born and what they decide that genitalia should look like. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes they get it wrong. And so that can cause enormous amounts of problems with pe- people that have gender identity issues. And so, you know, it's, if we think about it's the biological status of either a male or female, you know, it's really confusing for people to understand, especially young kids, when those decisions have already been made for them. It's something that I would hope that people would allow them to transpire into their childhood and in through their childhood and actually identify what they want to identify for themselves so they can take accountability for that choice. You know, uh, and that's for people that are atypical, the ones that actually have both uh, possibilities of being male or female. But, you know, transgender persons have been documented in many indigenous, Western and Eastern cultures, societies from, from, you know, antiquity until until today. You know, however, the meaning of gender nonconformity may vary from culture to culture. So many identities fall under the transgender umbrella. The term transsexual refers to people whose gender identity is from their assigned sex. And often transsexual people alter or wish to alter their bodies through hormones, surgery, and then other means uh, to make their bodies as congruent as possible with their gender identities. And this uh, process or this transition through a medical intervention is often referred to as a sex or gender reassignment. But more recently, it's also referred to as gender affirmation. And so people um, who were assigned female but identified and live as a male alter or wish to alter their bodies through medical intervention to most closely resemble their gender identity. And those uh, are known as transsexual men or trans men, also known as a female uh, to male or FTM. So, so if you think about it, conversely, people who were assigned male but identify and live as a female alter or wish to alter their bodies through medical intervention and their gender, their gender identity is known as transsexual women or trans women. And so getting these terms and understanding these terms, we have to understand these terms are going to, in our society and in our future, are taking a more prevalent role in how people discuss their gender, their sex, their pronouns. You know, he or she is what I'm referring to with a pronoun. You know, uh, people, if you want to think about people who cross-dress, they wear clothing that is traditionally or stereotypically worn by another gender in their culture. So they also vary in how completely they cross-dress from one uh, article of clothing to a fully cross-dressing. So those who cross-dress are usually comfortable in their assigned sex and do not wish to change it. So cross-dressing is a form of gender expression. It's not necessarily tied to an erotic activity. So cross-dressing is not uh, an indicator of a person's actual sexual orientation. And so I'm just trying to bring this out so we kind of break it down and understand that some people just like to dress as the opposite sex, but they're actually attracted to the opposite sex. Um, and, and that happens. There, then there, there's another term. It's drag queens. And generally, that refers to men who dress as women for the purpose of entertaining others at bars or clubs or other events. But the term drag kings refers to a woman who, address, who addresses as a man for the purpose of entertaining other people. And so then there's this gender queer, and that's a term that some people use who identify their gender as falling outside of the, uh, the binary male and female construct. So they define their gender as falling somewhere on a continuum between male and female. They may define it as wholly different from those terms. They may also request that pronouns be used to refer to them uh, in either masculine or feminine terms. You know, it may be they want to be known as a Z instead of a he or a she. So these kind of things happen. You know, uh, um, some uh, genderqueer people do not identify as transgender. 
So there, there's all kinds of other categories like androgynous and multigender, gender nonconforming, third gender, uh, two spirit people. You know, these definitions in some terms vary from person to person and they change over time. So this includes a sense of blending and, and alternating uh, genders. Some people who use these terms to describe themselves see traditional uh, male-female concepts as restrictive. And so, you know, that's just the way life is. It's full of people like this. And, you know, the more a person can feel whole, often the better they're going to conduct their life. And so stepping in between somebody that has a gender identity issue uh, it's not an issue, but it has gender identity as a part of their life. Uh, we need to somewhat embrace these people because they are abused and they are uh, uh, discriminated against. And a lot of bad things can happen to these people because they're just outwardly expressing who they really feel that they are. And we're going to talk about why they arrive at those decisions also and how and some theories around what has caused people to embrace this kind of a process of living. You know, gender identity and sexual orientation are not the same. Sexual orientation basically refers to a person's physical, romantic, or emotional attraction to another person, whereas gender identity refers to one's internal sense of being male, female, or something else. And so transgender people may be straight, lesbian, gay, bisexual, asexual, just as a non-transgender people can be. And so, you know, if you look at research, it's shown that a, a change or a, a new exploration period in partner attraction may occur during the process of transition. However, transgender people usually remain as attached to loved ones after transitions as they were before. So, you know, these people label their sexual orientation using their gender as a reference. For example, you know, a transgender woman or a person who is assigned male at birth transitions to female who's attracted to other female. And they'd be identified as a lesbian or a gay woman because they transitioned into a female. So, likewise, a transgender man or a person who is assigned female at birth transitions to male, and they may be attracted to other men. They'd be identified as a gay man. You know, so some transgender people experience their identity in a variety of ways. And we as a civilization need to understand that that comes with the part of us that is human. It is not only an emotional decision, but it is also a highly analytical decision for people to actually feel whole and feel like they align with what they feel like their spirit uh, wants them to be. And so this is a, a hard one because it is uh, turning it, it, when a person has a gender identity issue, it's it's non it's it's non uh, it's not you can't see it. And so the problem is, if you can't see it sometimes, it's in their spirit, it's in their thinking, people don't identify it as real. But, you know, once it becomes and it evolves and it becomes their way of life, we the, either as people have to choose to resist it or we choose to go with it. And what would you rather do? Because if you go against it, what's going to happen is you're going against the idea that we all have free will. We have the ability to dictate the course of our life. But if we align it with what God wants, that can be another uh, a, a set of problems. And so, you know, in the end, we have to understand that we are in a day and age where people can actualize what they feel inside them and, and actually medically create the body that they believe they should have had in the first place. And we, if we try to control that or try to judge that, may be going against what life offers us as people. And we may be not denying their ability to be who they really are. And we're going to talk about why they may be the way they are later on. But some children express a great deal of distress about their assigned sex at birth and their gender roles that they're expected to follow. Some children experience difficult social interactions with kids and adults because of their gender expression. And parents may become concerned when uh, what they believe to be a phase doesn't pass. 
And so parents of gender non-conforming children may need to work with schools and other institutions to address their children's particular needs, ensure their children's safety. You know, it's helpful to consult with mental health people and professionals familiar with gender issues in children and decide how to best address it. You know, it's not helpful to force a child to act in a more gender-conforming way. You know, peer support from other parents or gender non-conforming people may be somewhat helpful. But, it, you know, to make a decision as a child as to what gender you want, um, I think it would be horrible for us to embrace something like that. What I'm trying to say is, is that we as adults need to come to those decisions at some point in our life, maybe early in our life, maybe in the teens, maybe in the 20s, whatever. But the bottom line is, is that it's important for a child to have the understanding, did I make an emotional decision or did I make a logical decision? And so the basis of that decision needs to be weighed out when they have the faculties to be able to make those decisions for themselves. You know, uh, there's also the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health, the DSM-5, that's also uh, uh, created uh, gender incongruence. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's called gender dysphoria, by the way. And, and some contend that that diagnosis is inappropriate. And it pathologizes gender incongruence, and it should be eliminated. Others argue that it's essential to retain the diagnosis to ensure access to care. And so it's interesting that this battle is going on because when they're going to come out with the next DSM-6, um, it's going to be a challenge to understand if gender uh, dysphoria is actually an accurate diagnosis. You know, there's a lot of anti-discrimination laws in, in most U.S. cities and states, but they don't currently protect transgender people from discrimination based on gender identity and gender expression. And so transgender people in most cities and states face discrimination in nearly every aspect of their lives. And we as people need to respect that. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about maybe, potentially, hypothetically, the reason why people are transgender or have gender identity. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about gender identity. Mind my pronouns. You know what? It's 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 one thing for a person to have a gender identity or to be a uh, 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 turn from a male to a female or a female to a male. Uh, you know, if they transition, but. You know, using public restrooms can cause a lot of confusion and a lot of danger, actually, for some people. When they have gender identity, gender identity is a choice. And so what we have to understand is that we may identify ourselves as a certain gender identity, but that doesn't entitle us to go into the restroom of maybe the opposite sex. Because not all people can conform to that. Now, if it's a non-gender uh, restroom, that's one thing, and a lot of people have solved the problems by just saying there's no gender, it's whoever's in there is in there, and that's fine, it's fine, but the, the deal is is that uh, when you have places like schools where everybody's got to go at a certain time after the, you know, class is over and now they go to the bathroom, that has to have some sense of respect from the person that has the gender identity choices. And uh, so, you know, this is a gray area that has to get worked out. But the problem is, is that we're moving so fast into uh, consciously understanding transgender type of people, people with gender identity struggles. We're trying to make room for so much of this so fast that it's an ugly transition. And there is a lot of prejudice and, and there's a lot of discrimination out there. You know, groups with such identities includes transgender people, uh, racial, ethnic, religious, minority backgrounds. You know, transgender people of lower socioeconomic statuses are, have problems. Uh, transgender people with disabilities, transgender youth, transgender elderly, you know, they, they all have some experience of uh, discrimination. And it may cause a lot of psychological stress leaving those individuals to wonder whether they were discriminated against because of their identity or gender expression or other uh, uh, sociocultural identity. And and also there's a lot of uh, high levels of discrimination for transgender people, for gender identity people as uh, in employment and housing and healthcare and education, legal systems, and even their own families. You know, so many transgender people are targets of hate crimes. They also are the victims of subtle discrimination, which includes everything from glances or glares of disapproval or discomfort uh, to invasive questions about their body parts. They also, you know, it's important for us to educate ourselves about the issues if we can and know that they have uh, also an identity where they can be a part of our culture. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's not a bad idea to, to ask them what pronouns are appropriate for that gender presentation or identity of that person. It, it's important not to make assumptions about them. They're people. They have lives. They have souls. They're living a human life. They're just trying to make it congruent with who they believe that they are. You know, it's really important for us to help process and help them process what they feel about themselves. Now, there's a a theory, and it is just a theory, you guys, and I'm not embracing it, I'm just expressing it, but it's reincarnation. And there's a lot of cases that sometimes a feature of a change of sex in which a woman or a girl remembers having lived previously as a boy or a man or vice versa. So people who this is true may exhibit dressing habits or preferences, or manners, or activities more typical of the other sex. And this has led to suggestions that past life influence may underlie at least some cases of gender identity conflicts. Many more females recall lives as males than than the, the reverse. And many females remember male lives, and only uh, two males remembered females' lives in one study. And, and there's also three times as many girls claiming to have been males previously. And this also applies to uh, about uh, um, there were there was about 14 out of 15 American child cases that were examined, and, and these proportions are especially noteworthy considering that more boys and girls remember past life in most cultures. Uh, you know, just like a, a past life wounds carry over as birthmarks or defects, other physical attributes such as facial features, skin coloration may also be influenced by past lives. And, uh, you know, 
this whole thing, understanding that the fact is that you may have been a female in a previous life and some of that life is carrying into this life, that in itself could be a reason why all of us have some kind of gender identity confusion. You know, difference in your gait can actually be observed. Delay menstruation uh, for females is another feature uh, of, of, of many cases. Also, uh, uh, people ha- may have past life influences, a belief that, you know, that, uh, that their, their menstruation uh, is a problem because it comes later than most people. Well, that could be that in a previous life you may have been a male. Um, you know, that sex change cases often feature behaviors that are more typical of the sex of the previous person than the sex of the person in this day and age. So that means that person is trying to be congruent with their past life. So that is a theory. It's a theory. That's all it is. It's not my belief, but it is a belief, and it does have some logical context to it as to why there could be gender identity issues with many people in this life. You know, your, your, your child may identify as, uh, as, as a gender identity, a male or a female, you know, and, and it's, or your child might identify as they're diverse. And, you know, when you look at transgender, your, your children's gender identity doesn't match the sex given at birth. If you look at non-binary as a term, that means their identity is neither male or female. It's a blend of male and female. And some people are what are called gender fluid. So they move between different gender identities. And and a gender, your child doesn't identify with any gender. That's an agender. And so, you know, these are terms to identify themselves. And and your child might discover or understand more about their gender identity over time. And if you think about it, we all started as neither a male or a female. And eventually, as our chromosomes came in, when we were in our mother's womb, as the chromosomes formed, that's where the gender identity was formed chromosomally as to define you as a male or a female. You know, gender expression is how your child shows their gender. You know, it may be through their name, their clothes, their behavior, their hairstyle, their voice. But what you have to understand, and and it's very important to understand development of children, that after about 11 to somewhere around 16, maybe later, they are still forming who am I as a person? Who am I? And there's a lot of clicks where kids expect, like uh, maybe there's a transgender or a gender identity click where people believe that that's an important thing and, and they get together and they do groupthink, that can also change a kid's mind and influence a kid to believe that they have a gender identity issue when maybe they don't have a gender identity issue. So, you know, you, you, you often are what you're surrounded by. And if you surround yourself with people with gender confusion and you're not gender confused, you may become gender confused. And so we have to understand that, that you know, who we associate with also affects how we identify with ourselves as a person. And especially from about 11 to 16, we're borrowing personalities, we're borrowing habits, we're borrowing you know, things that people, music that people are listening to, clothing that they're wearing. We're borrowing from each other to try to form what fits for me as a human being. You know, almost all children begin expressing their gender identity uh, two to three years old. And they do this by the, by how, what, the way they talk about themselves or through the clothes that they choose. But children can be very firm about their gender from an early age. For example, you know, toddlers often proclaim, I'm a boy or I'm a girl when they're of the opposite sex. You know, and that doesn't have to scare you. They're exploring. They're exploring who am I. And that's okay. And all kids do that. And they've done that for thousands of years. And we all have to understand that's just a part of growing up. But you don't have to label them at that point. You don't have to change who they are. Let them explore. You know, that's how we learn. We experience. We, we are experiential learners. And that is an important part of our childhood is to be able to explore. You know, a child may get angry when people call them a boy or a girl. They may refuse to wear particular clothes or say that they're a different gender, whatever. 
you know, there's other gender diverse children. They might start to to talk about their gender identity being different when they're uh, in a, at, a, at a primary school or at a university or something like that because they're too scared of what the social consequences will be of the other children. Because once you come out and talk about what your gender identity is vocally and you express it, people start to judge you. And there's a lot of people that, especially in lower socioeconomic situations, where they will judge you very harshly. And I'm not saying just that area. It's in all parts of life and in all areas of life, the higher you know, higher income people, whatever, they can be very harsh, very mean, and very cruel. You know, they, they, they also, we have to understand it, it's normal for all children and teenagers to experiment with gender. For example, your daughter might refuse to wear skirts or dresses, or your son might want to play mom. You know, for for most children and teenagers, experiencing with gender, experimenting with gender doesn't mean that they're gender diverse or transgender. Most children go on to feel comfortable with gender they were given at birth. But people with gender dysphoria, the diagnosis is when your child feels distressed about their gender identity and defers from the sex they were given at birth, and this distress might affect their school or home life. And so not all gender diverse children have gender dysphoria. You know, some children are comfortable identifying as a gender that's different from what they were assigned. And being gender diverse or experimenting with gender expression isn't a problem unless your child seems upset or distressed about their gender. You know, but some people do have gender dysphoria, especially if they're experiencing bullying, uh, uh, stigmas, uh, discrimination at school or other places. So, you know, if you think your child has gender dysphoria and there are some signs you can look out for, they might insist that they're a different gender. They might get upset or angry if they're called a boy or a girl. They might show signs of, of, of childhood anxiety, like not doing well at school, having tantrums, not wanting to take part of activities, not wanting to make friends. They may go to the toilet in a, in a, in a way that's associated with a different gender. And they, they may ask you to call them a different name or a different pronoun, like he or she or they. They may even ask questions about their gender. For example, will, you know, will my vagina turn to a penis? Can I be a daddy instead of a mom? You know, you know, not not like the physical signs of sex or want those that match the gender identity. Your child might say, can I can the doctor take my penis off or I don't know how breasts if I'm going to have if I want to have breasts when I grow up. You know, these are signs that a child is challenging themselves as to what is my gender identity. Now, you know, many teenagers feel strongly their their identity differs from the sex they were given at birth and tell you that they feel unsure about their gender. That's a sign. You know, they may feel strongly uh, uh, and ask you to call them by a different name. They might, you know, they, they might want to get rid of physical signs of the, of the sex that they've been identified. They may strap their boobs down or, or take medication like testosterone or something like that that will lower their, their voice. You know, there's a lot of things that people do, to tr- these kids do, and they do talk to each other to try to express themselves the way they feel like they were born. You know, a lot of these folks, these kids... Uh, is have like a teenage anxiety, which is irritability. They have depression. Sometimes they do self-harm, like cutting or, or, or themselves. And so these these come with a lot of issues. Sometimes these people that are going through gender identity problems are facing so much uh, discrimination and so much uh, uh, pushback that they don't feel like they deserve to live or need to live or want to live. And so a lot of these kids go through some really, really hard time. And it's important for us to embrace where they're at and think of it as a process and not an outcome. A process, not an outcome. And allow them to control what the outcome is be, will be. But you have to give have faith in the idea that they need to go down this road to learn about themselves and be able to discover where they want really really want to land you know and and it's it's just a challenge for all of us to to have patience and to understand that we are all entitled 
to explore what this life offers us. And it's important for us to embrace people that are actually uh, very uh, heroically and, and going after what they really feel they need to do to identify themselves. It's a very important thing for all of us as a culture to embrace that thought process. We may not embrace the outcomes, but the process, very important. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back, and then we're going to talk about parenting for transgender and gender identity. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about gender identity and, you know, minding my pronouns. You know, it's interesting because um, some uh, gender stereotype behaviors appear uh, usually preteen or teen, but it's usually somewhere around puberty where the real challenge uh, becomes forward because some youth realize that their gender identity, when they have breasts or they start to grow hair, or, you know, in their sex organs, they, they also are becoming uh, more sexual in their ideas and in their thoughts. And so now they're realizing that they're in a crisis because their gender identity may be different from their assigned sex at birth. And that is a crisis that many young teenagers have, and they do not have any real good way to handle it, especially if they're in a very uh, conservative idea of parents, uh, very rigid authoritarian type of parents, unaccepting parents, maybe hyper-religious um, people. And I'm not saying that religious people are, are should be downplayed. It's, the problem is, is some people use their religion um, to, to prejudice against people that have gender identity. And because some children's gender identity uh, may change, especially around puberty, Families are encouraged to keep options open for their children, and that 
is the best thing to possibly do. Younger children may express their 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 identity very clearly. For example, they may say, I am not she, I am he. I am not your daughter, I am your son, and vice versa. You know, they, they also express, you know, oftentimes through their clothing, their hairstyle, repressing certain parts of their body to hide it, choices of toys, games, sports, social relationships, including uh, the gender of friends. And so they may have a preferred name or a nickname, you know, but it's, you know, gender expression is very different from gender identity. You can't assume a child's gender identity based on their gender expression. For example, their choice of toys or clothing or friends. You know, um, some some people, you know, might some kids might like to wear dresses or whatever, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're going to go down the being a gay person or a transsexual. You know, uh, for many children, it's a phase. And no one can tell whether your child's gender identity or expression will change over time. But what children need to know the most is that you will love and accept them as they figure out their place in the world. You know, in older children, you can also uh, uh, gently help prepare them for negative reactions from other children. For example, by role-playing how best to confidently respond to teasing. You know, we are the mirror that other people see us through. And so it's important for us as human beings, us as people, to be accepting and for us to accept our own choices and be comfortable with our choices. And the more comfortable we are with their choices and who we are, the more that we feel whole and better. And so it's really important if a kid has a gender identity that they're they're aligning with at one point in their life or at some point in the process, it's important for us to allow them explore that rather than fight it. Because if you fight it, they're going to rebel against you. That's human nature. You know, gender creative children express their gender differently from what society may expect. So a boy who wants to wear dresses might be considered gender creative. Or society's expression for gender constantly change and vary in different cultures and in different times in history. So, you know, uh, if you think about gender diversity, it's not a result of illness, uh, illness or parenting style. It's caused by letting your child play with dolls or trucks or or maybe just wanting to go down that that influential path. You know, if your child is transgender or gender creative, they can live a happy, healthy life. Get support from parents of transgender or gender creative children. You know, talk to mental health professionals who realize the care of them is important and the acceptance of them can be very important. Strong parenting is really the key. Love your child for who they are. Talk with your child about their gender identity. And as soon as your child is able to say words like girl or boy, they are beginning to understand gender. And you want to ask questions. This is a great way to hear your kids' ideas about gender. And, and don't you don't want to pressure your child to change who they are. Find opportunities to show your child that gender and gender diverse people exist, belong to many communities who appreciate and love them. And, and so this aspect of how we parent will dictate a lot of the choices that that child will make. And it doesn't mean because you're being supportive that they're going to choose to be a different gender. It doesn't mean they're choosing to be gay. It doesn't mean much of anything until they start making concrete decisions about the path that they want to take. You know, some parents have a hard time accepting that their kid's identity is different from their assigned sex at birth. Often in cultures and religion where this is not easily accepted, you know, if you're having difficulties, you, you, you want to go to websites, you want to go to resources or support groups or people that have dealt with this issue. You know, and it can be challenging for this person who's going through the idea of what is my gender identity assigned and what is my gender identity of who I believe I am. And that can be very painful. You know, there are many ways for trans people have learned to cope. They they, they also um, have to also get particular medical attention when they're actually trying to transition into a different sex. And that starts early in the process before they make a transition to the actual gender that they believe they should have been assigned to. You know, because dysphoria is about discrepancy between someone's sense of self and their body or other people's perception of the gender, the best way to support people that are challenged with this is see their gender the same way they do, communicate 
that as well as that, that you do support them. And sometimes, you know, these people have a challenge of their own assumptions, their own thoughts, their own unconscious beliefs about their bodies. You know, you know, we all uh, are socially conditioned to associate certain physical characteristics with maleness or femaleness. And, and they're deeply ingrained. However, being supportive, uh, particularly to somebody is, that is close, you're close with, means actively working to undo the associations that you have and then be a, a, an affirming, positive influence on that person's process, on that person's pronouns, on that person's gender identity. It's very uh, important to communicate with respect you know, don't don't disclose someone's trans identity to others without their consent. It's it's a very important to you know for for gender identity people that to be their decisions and about how they want to uh, express themselves. And, and when you're with others who know their identity, correct them if they get the names and the pronouns wrong. So you show that you do support and you do embrace them. You know, if you're dating something, you know, ask what words they want to use to talk about their bodies. You know, sometimes there are people that are confused and it's not a bad idea to, to associate that. You know, when you're struggling to see your friend or somebody in a way they want to be seen, it can be best to process this with, with them and ally, ally with them rather than uh, judge them. And, and you want to do this in ways that respects their privacy. You know, you want to check with them first about how, they, how much information should be shared. It, you know, if you're going to date someone that is gender confused or gender dysphoric, gender identity, whatever, it's it's very important to be uh, uh, consentful in all relationships, but especially important uh, because you know they may want to have a relationship uh, that is that is uh, indicative of their body. Maybe they want to feel they feel like a female, but they want to be a male. Uh, they are a male, and maybe they're attracted to females. So who knows? It's just this is how life is. It's confusing, and our humanness is confusing. It's emotional. It's not all analytical. It's not black and white. Life is gray, 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 and I'm not talking about 50 shades of gray. We could talk about that, but, uh, you know, it's gray. It, everything's gray, and it's when people go black and white in life, that means they want to make everything simple. And then they just land behind it, and then they sell themselves a story on black and white thinking. And then they just reaffirm it and reaffirm it and reaffirm it. But you know what? That's not life. Life is meant for us to be curious, curious and explorative and take leaps of faith and understand our beliefs and start to understand what we can bring to this life. You know, the, the, the real purpose of life the real meaning of life is creating relationships. And that's important. And that's emotional. That is not an analytical process. That is an emotional process speaking the one language that all of us have in common, which is our emotions. And it's very important for us to understand that people with gender identity need to have relationships too. And people... We all need relationships. That's where we find love. That's where we find acceptance. And we all owe that to each other, no matter what our decisions are on this planet, in this cavity of a body that we have. Our souls are what propel us. The looking through a person and understanding what their soul is about, what their soul is feeling, that is what's more important. That's the essence of people. It's not the cavity. It's the essence of people that we need to look at. And that's how we get by all this gender identity judgment and crap that we all live in. You know, non-judgmental partnerships with people, their families, uh, as a therapist, this is an anchoring experience. And it can be a very powerful experience to allow yourself to accept things that you previously have found yourself not accepting. That's how we grow. That's how we change. And it's very important with people with gender identity issues to have family and community supports, and that's essential to their healthy development. And, and there's increased evidence that shows that support and, and or rejection ultimately has uh, little 
influence on the gender identity of, of young kids. But it may, however, profoundly affect that person's ability to openly discuss or disclose concerns or be able to trust or be able to show their real feelings because of the way they've been n- not supported or judged. And so these, that affects mental health. And people do not realize the damage that they do when they judge people who are gender confused, gender identity, uh, transgender, you know, their sexual orientation may be different than what you're willing to accept. You know, people that identify that they don't have any gender whatsoever. It's very important for us to look at the essence of the person rather than the body of the person. And it's understandable that parents have questions regarding gender identity and, and, and that can be very helpful um, because at least if they're asking questions, they're being supportive to some degree and trying to educate themselves. You know, if parents discover their child is gender diverse or the child uh, works up to disclosing that suppressed feeling, it may seem sudden and unexpected, but these kids have probably been thinking about this for a very long time. And, and, and they expect immediate acceptance and often uh, family members reject them and go through a, a process of becoming uh, uncomfortable with them and judging them and then eventually becoming more comfortable and understanding because they realize that they may not be able to change this thought process in the child. We all make our own determination on our paths in this life. You know, ideally, pediatricians can assist uh, parents and children in understanding each other's concerns. Uh, also, family-based therapy, you know, all that, all kinds of good stuff is out there to help people. All right. That's our show. I'd like to thank you for listening. You know, I love hearing from you, and you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, these days, gender cannot be decided at birth. They're too young to decide. Also, the problem with gender identity is it makes the prom seriously complicated. Also, gender has become a spectrum issue. And just say no can also count for gender. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.